Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Susan Johnson on Let's Talk About It, and we have another great show today. Uh, my co-host isn't with us today, but he's out doing wonderful things and busy, busy. But uh, we're here with a wonderful, wonderful guest, and I am so thrilled to be able to introduce Liz Dupont Deal, and she is the associate director for the Citizens Connecticut Citizens Action Group, and uh, she's going to be here uh, talking about what's going on uh, this week uh, with uh, or next week, actually, uh, with the Connecticut uh, Insurance Department's hearings on the rate increases that have been proposed for health insurance rates. But I just want to remind everybody that, hey, this is going to be podcasted on my website at the Capitol. Also, WILI Radio has YouTube, so you can also hear this show on YouTube, and uh, the videos will be played on cable access uh, in the next couple of weeks, so you can hear more about insurance, even though the uh, hearing date, I believe, is starting on the 21st of this coming week. So welcome to the show, uh, Liz. I'm so glad to have you here. And uh, tell us a little bit about what you do as the Associate Director at the Connecticut Citizens Action Group. Hi. Well, thank you, Susan. First of all, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. And um, we're really great to, uh, grateful to have the opportunity to talk about this important issue. Um, CCAG, the Connecticut Citizen Action Group, we recently celebrated our 50th anniversary. Um, we work on uh, health care, we work on climate justice, we work on education equity and democracy, and our goal is to really give the citizens of Connecticut a more equal footing and a voice to, you know, challenge corporations in power and work, for, work towards a more just Connecticut. So we've been at this for quite a long time, and we're, we're happy to be here. It's the 50th anniversary. I can't believe how time flies. Oh, a couple of years ago, actually. <laughs> You've rounded the corner on it already. I remember. I think that wasn't Toby Moffat part of that? That's right. Yeah, yes. yeah I remember yeah. that. He yeah. was one of our directors. Yes, our our alumni are the very best. Uh, Miles Rappaport, Ralph Nader yeah. was, was our yes, founder. That's yeah. right, yeah. Yep. So this is wonderful, and you've done wonderful work, and I remember I was uh, part of some of that uh, yes. group uh, off and on over the years. And uh, we were really uh, pleased that we have an organized group that can help uh, work for the citizens because uh, the only way we get anything done is if we're a group. Yes, people are more powerful together. That's yes, what we're about. Are. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I found that at the Capitol, everywhere you go, if we create relationships and we get together and we talk about things and we figure out our differences and work to a common goal, then that's the way that we get stuff done. And uh, so this is wonderful that you're working on health insurance as well. Yes, yes. Well, let me tell you about this campaign. Yes, please. So um, CCAG has been working on health care for quite some time. Our goal is health care for all people. We work to protect and expand public programs. But we also um, are seeing the need to call out and identify the billions of dollars being spent on things other than health care in our current system. We're, we're paying for universal health care as a society, but we're not getting it. What we're doing is making rich people even richer instead. Um, this particular effort started in its current form around 2021, where there was a very robust effort to get a public option for health care, which would have allowed small businesses and nonprofits to buy into the state's partnership plan. It would have included them in the negotiating power of that plan. The health insurance companies would have administered that plan and still made money, just not enough for them. And so five of them sent a letter to Governor Lamont, and it was basically an extortion letter. And they said, if you pass a public option, we're going to take our jobs and go somewhere else. And unfortunately, a public option did not pass that year. I remember that. I co-sponsored the legislation. We yeah. had a group. Uh, Governor Lamont was part of the presser that we had at the Capitol supporting uh, the public option. And then, 
what you said is that they uh, said, okay, we're going to leave Hartford, and they will leave Hartford. They have that big giant building. They're going to empty it out. Uh, they were going to do all kinds of things uh, to the so-called insurance capital, which really there are a lot of other places where they have a lot of businesses now, <laughs> not just in Hartford. But uh, Hartford, of course, is... Uh, we have a cycle here that we have to kind of address, and that is to stabilize all of our communities so that they're not as dependent on one particular group and make sure that they get recognized for, instead of being called distressed municipalities, I call them serving communities because they serve the state and they serve the region uh, with all kinds of services that other municipalities just can't do or won't do. So. Uh, we have that mm. situation, and it wouldn't have been as dire a threat, I don't believe, although certainly having them all run out of the state wouldn't have been good, uh, uh, certainly not at all. But uh, to to be in that situation where we also have under-cared for our urban areas, uh, that is something that, uh, you know, created a lot of distress, let's yeah. say. Yeah, well, whether it would have happened or not, too, is an open question. Certainly. Because we do have a highly skilled workforce in Connecticut, which they do need. Uh-huh, but, yes, but that's one, right. That's yeah. a very good point. Yeah. So what CCAG started to do in 2021 was to put together and publish some of the information about how these health insurance companies are actually spending our money. And a lot of it, by the way, is public money, as we've seen them receive a lot of public aid for COVID relief and also for um, Medicaid. Mm -hmm. So um, tell us about that, because that I want to hear. I want to hear just what they're doing and you yeah. know, your summation of that. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, so first for the for the current effort, um, these insurance companies, uh, we started publishing data on how much they spend on CEO compensation, how much they spend on gross profits, and also how much they spend on stock buybacks. Um, I don't know if everybody's familiar with stock buybacks, but essentially, well, you know, some people credit the Great Depression for overuse of stock buybacks. When a corporation has so much money that it decides to purchase back shares of its own stock, thereby making less stock available and adjusting the price of the stock, right? So typically right, exactly. it's executives that get this. So what we've started doing is publishing what they spend on stock buybacks. It's good. And I just want to add yeah. one of my favorite things that I people hear me every so often. They were illegal until Ronald Reagan became the president of the United States back in the 80s. And then he made it possible for stock buybacks to occur all over again. Correct. Vox has a wonderful explainer video on stock buybacks, and mm -hmm, we're beginning mm -hmm. to tax them a little bit more, but yes. The, uh, they so. should be illegal still, and uh, that would be a real reality uh, for everybody when they would see that stock buybacks actually uh, right now are distorting our economy to a large extent, and uh, that is not the right way for our corporations to operate. Right. But we have given uh, under the Reagan program, uh, which is still has not been addressed, and people say, why are you still talking about Reagan? Why? Because the laws that were passed under Reagan are still in effect today, and this is one example of that. Yeah. And think about some of the other things that corporations could do with this money. They could raise employee wages. They could yes. invest in facilities. They could invest in research, or they could lower your premiums, or pay for more of your claims. Claims denials are another issue that we can get into. Well, we certainly would love to do that. As a former <laughs> person who worked for legal assistance to Medicare patients yes. and also for the Center for Medicare Advocacy, yes. all I did was deal with insurance denials over and over and over again. But we'll get into that in a minute. We, we sure will. Okay. <laughs> so so uh, for the past three years, CCAG has been publishing on an annual basis data on all of this information. And this year, we did it again. And we, we put it together and we released 
information on specific companies every week. So we had a week we talked about Cigna. We had a week where we talked about Anthem, which has now turned itself into Elevance. We had a week talking about CVS Health and about United Health. Combined, these four companies in 2022, guess how much they spent on just these three data points that we're talking about? I can't even imagine how many billions. Did gonna, they get to a trillion? It's, it's close. <laughs> it's close. Well, I can tell you the state of Connecticut budget was in the neighborhood of $22 billion. Right. These four companies spent four hundred billion dollars on these on these areas. Just think about in the difference. I mean, when you think about a billion, it does if you had dollar bills stacked all the way to the moon. I That's think right. it is. <laughs> the visualization is, yes. is astonishing. Yes, it is. Yes. So if you have us with just twenty two billion, That's how right. many universes can we go through there? That's right. And but then four hundred billion for the insurance. These these four companies. Which say that again. Which ones are they? Four hundred billion dollars. Um, it uh, Anthem was the one that signed the letter to the governor, and all of this is on our website, by the way, ccag.net. Um, and there's a five families page on that with all this really called oh, out. That's an excellent page. I went on that. Yeah. So this is um, Elevance, uh, Cigna, CVS Health, which merged with Aetna after, you know, fought hard to merge with Aetna. And now, by the way, is not disclosing how many jobs they will actually be cutting in Connecticut with their recent announcement. And United Health. Mm -hmm. um, the fourth company was Harvard Pilgrim and Tufts. They have subsequently rebranded themselves as Point thirty two health. We did not include them in this because they're a nonprofit, mm -hmm. but that's also that was another another player in the well, letter. And, and then the state of California just uh, filed a lawsuit against Cigna because of the logarithm that they have for claims processing, uh, that has actually uh, automatically just denies, denies, denies. That's right. And, uh, so, but we'll get into the denial stuff. But I just wanted to mention that at the time uh, at now because. Uh, when they when they have all this money and they're uh, utilizing it for all different types of things like stock buybacks to raise their right. prices and keep everybody out of the stock market if you're just an average person, right. uh, you know this is uh, this is how they keep their their stuff to the within their little group. Yeah, this is a problem. They're a little one percent, you know. And why this matters in August, why why CCG doesn't take the month of August off, is that <laughs> Connecticut Insurance Department has received a request by many of these companies to increase the rates to individuals and small businesses. So these companies have to go through the state insurance department in order to get permission to raise premiums. And so we, we and our members are asking that the state insurance department not grant these increases and instead take into account the true factors that are driving the cost of these, the, you know, these, these rate increased requests are just, are not justifiable, especially when you take into account the money that is spent on these other factors. Well, you know, I just want to uh, kind of think about something as we go through this discussion. And that is the fact that uh, these are uh, what we know as insurance, health insurance plans. These are Connecticut regulated plans, which we're down to probably about 35% of the health insurance plans now are regulated under the state of Connecticut regulations. Now there are self-insurance, or actually self—they're—they're they're called they're not really insurance plans. They're trust fund plans. They're uh, self-insurance under the uh, ERISA ERISA law that was passed in 1974. The Employee Retirement and Income and Security Act uh, was done because the corporations uh, failed to fully uh, keep enough money uh, to pay off pensions, and all all of a sudden when it came time for people to retire. <gasps> 
they didn't have enough money. What do you know? So <laughs> so they passed ERISA. And these cases have gone to the Supreme Court when states try to regulate the policies. And so what happens is when they try to regulate the policies, the, the insurance industry sues and usually wins uh, when any type of state regulation occurs. But now uh, they have a real scam going uh, where they're uh, probably – uh, trying to, you know, raise the market so much that everything becomes a self-insurance plan. That's mm. my game, my guess on the game, rather. Well, you know, they're driving, their motivation is not to serve you well and give us health care. Correct. Their motivation is to make profits for their shareholders. And, and so. one other thing about the ERISA plans is what they do is they lure everybody in with their very low premiums, but wait till you get sick and you need to use the plan. They have very high deductibles. So most of the people that are on ERISA plans never get to use the insurance right. or the, the health right. plan uh, trust fund money. Right. Go ahead. Right. No, it's all good. <laughs> so, well, so I know this is going to air on the 18th. So on the 21st of August, that's this coming up Monday, um, the, that's when the state insurance department is having a public information session on these rate requests. So um, CCAG is going to be having a small demonstration outside the LOB just to remind folks that this is how your money is actually being spent. And also we will be um, we're getting information out to people about how to testify how to watch the hearing. It's going to be broadcast on CTN. Great. And uh, so people can still weigh in to the insurance commissioner and let the insurance department know what they think of these rate increases and whether we should be taking into account other factors. Well, like what I just talked about, is mm. this a way for them to sh move people more out of the regulated area where you have some protection under the state of Connecticut with your health insurance plan and move them uh, outside of that into the unregulated area and they all claim, oh, they're very well regulated because ERISA federal law says, but ERISA federal law is bare minimum, and it does not do the kinds of things that the state of Connecticut can do right. in terms of the regulatory, uh, regular insurance plans. Right. Agree. Mm. One other factor, too, actually two more small, fa not small factors, but <laughs> are the facts that um, a lot of these companies have undertaken a lot of mergers and acquisitions, and most of them also own pharmacy benefit managers. Oh, this is so, something that's very, very... Please explain PBMs. So they're also in the business <laughs> of, you know, establishing the prices and yes. providing you with They're your drugs, but then they also approve, you know, whether the insurance will pay for it. Yes, indeed. They so, are the middle. So just let's just right? get a little visual going here. Right. The oh. PBMs, and they yep. are right in the middle. Right. And they got the advantage. They see uh, what's coming and what's going. Right. And so they are that's there. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so tell us about the pharmacy benefit managers. The CVS is one uh, for the state of Connecticut. That's right. And um, I am just, uh, I've been to a number of conferences on PBMs. Okay. And uh, we're hope I know that we've tried to pass legislation in the past to make it so that they don't get the kickbacks yeah. uh, that they usually get uh, when they offer to do certain things for their, their clients and then working with the insurance industry. There's a lot of little games going on there. So tell us tell us about the PBMs. Sure. Well, you just did a great job of it also. And I'll, you know, I'll say uh, Cigna has Express Scripts, CVS has Caremark, United Health has OptumRx, 
And this is just another way that they're making a lot of money off of providing us care or not providing us care, as the case may be. So we would like the insurance department and also the legislature to explore these practices and call for a great deal more transparency about what, what, the, what each of these companies is doing, where the money is coming from, what the, what the conditions are, et cetera. I know that we have uh, passed laws in the past, and all of a sudden they disappear. <laughs> but we'll keep at it. We have to we have to do that, but I think we have to really, uh, along with the the insurance regulatory increase uh, requests, I think we also have to do like a just constantly tell people about the insurance health insurance system, yes. because the system is complicated, yes. and uh, this is something that uh, they do on purpose because the more complicated it is, more people will just go, okay, whatever. Yes, and uh, you know it's well, very very hard to make sure people really get the uh, bandwidth to you know push forward. Yeah, I mean, and funny you should say that because. Um, our press release on the matter is on our website, ccag.net, under news, and that has links to everything that I'm talking about, our most recent press release. Um, ProPublica has done some fabulous work on Cigna's automated claims denials, which you mentioned. They're not the only ones that do that. There's a congressional hearing now underway. But basically, Ooh. they set up an algorithm, and a doctor could approve thousands of denials with the click of a button without having read them. And so this is considered best practices. Cigna's refusing to renounce this. So that, that's one thing that's happening. Another thing that's happening is ProPublica has also done some very, very good reporting on the fact that the claims denials rates are astonishing. A, a really appalling number of claims are just routinely denied. But the number of ones that are appealed is, is vanishingly small. Very few people have the wherewithal, the bandwidth, the energy to appeal a claim when it's denied. So the way this, our system is, your doctor orders something for you, it gets submitted to your insurance company, and very often it's denied for reasons that are not good, and you know, few people appeal those. So that's just another way that they're making money. I have to just say one thing, a little, little bring it down to what happened to my mother about 20 years ago. Mm. And when I was still, oh, longer than 20 years ago, maybe when I was still working as an advocate for Medicare beneficiaries. And my mother had a breathing, has always had asthma, breathing problems. Mm. And, uh, you know, one of the things that my mother uh, could have used and uh, was a nebulizer. So she was at the emergency room and I was there with my brother. I said to the doctor, well, you know, she's had this problem. You obviously see she's really, you know, we don't want to have her admitted when we could maybe treat her with a nebulizer. Oh, he said, well, they, the insurance will probably deny that. I said, you order it and you let me appeal the denial. Uh -huh. I said, do not worry about the denial. I will take care of any denials. I just want, I'll just have your, you know, reasons, just put your reasons for getting the nebulizer ordered and I will appeal it. Well, he uh, ordered it and guess what? Nobody denied it. <laughs> and again, with my mother a couple of years ago, she had some problems with surgery and uh, home care issues, and uh, she needed to have uh, had needed to have somebody observe and assess her every day until she got the surgery. So uh, the doctor said, "Oh, they don't do that every day." I said, "Leave it to me. <laughs> I'll appeal it." <laughs> Guess what? They were there with Mama every day. <laughs> oh. 
so so I'm just saying that the poor doctors are got all these different insurance companies with all these different policies. You've got the Medicare program oh, that's, that's very, very uh, complicated. Yeah. You've got the uh, Medicaid program, which is a whole other set of oh. complexities and coverage issues. And uh, so I, I have great sympathy for our providers, yeah. and they're not getting the money that the administrators are and that the insurance industry gets uh, for the work that they do, and they're the ones providing the service. And so we're going to go on a break right now, but this is Susan Johnson. I'm here with my guest uh, from CCAG, Liz DuPont-Deal, and we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back, everyone. This is Susan Johnson. I'm here uh, today with Liz DuPont-Deal, and she is with CCAG, the Connecticut Citizens Action Group, and what they are going to be acting upon is the hearing that's coming up with the State Department of Insurance on increases that have been proposed by the private insurance, health insurance industry. And so what we want to do is we want to get a group together to talk about what is going on with them, why are the profits so gigantic, and why aren't these profits actually being pushed back into the system so that people will have more access to health care, which is really a vital issue uh, all throughout the state. So welcome again, and uh, thank you so much for being here today. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I mean, I'll just reiterate, CCAG and many of our partners and allies believe, believe health care is a human right and everybody should have health care. So we work to protect and expand public programs and to chip away at the profiteering and the extractive nature of the health insurance company as it has evolved or metastasized <laughs> to its current oh, state. Oh, good point, yes. <laughs> well said. Right. So um, for the hearing coming up, um, I think we touched on this before at 9 a.m. this coming Monday, August 21st, the Connecticut Insurance Department will be having an informational session. Um, they're receiving public comment. There's instructions on how to testify at ccag.net. Um, so you can either submit testimony ahead of time or even after the hearing to the commissioner, and it'll be part of the public record and something that's considered. How long uh, after do you have to submit the testimony? If you can't make it for the 21st and be part right. of the public uh, meeting, uh, or how much longer after that? Because some people might want to just listen to the meeting, get ideas on exactly what their their feeling is about how to testify it's very complicated. Right. Great point. They might want to reinforce or raise a different point. Yeah. Um, they're going to be accepting comments up until the time that a decision is reached. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so, so, so that's kind of, of, yeah. But try and get them in, I guess, in a week or two, yeah. I'd say, a week yeah. anyway. And we'll be keeping people up to date on our website yeah. and our, yeah. our social media channels as well. Great. So, Wonderful. Very, right. very good. So that is important to get the testimony in and uh, to see... Uh, you know, see if the insurance commissioner has any ideas in terms of some of the uh, information, the intimidating uh, push that occurred when they did the public policy proposal and how the insurance industry decided they were not going to participate in Connecticut anymore. I mean, could you just uh, tell us a little bit about uh, where we could get information on that? Oh, I'm happy to. Yeah. Well, like I said, our website, ccag.net, has a great deal of information. We also have a Facebook page where we continually post pertinent news and updates, and that's available at facebook.com slash cts5families, so Connecticut's five families is the Facebook page that you would want to search mm -hmm. for. We also have a link tree with a number of in important documentation, including that letter itself, and that is... Um, https colon slash slash linktr.ee slash ccag5families. 
and that's also all of this is also available at our website ccag.net. Um, I want to say too, Susan, you made a point that you know people should know more about the health insurance system. Uh, we entirely agree. So you know, if you sign up for updates, CCAG is going to be embarking in a continual process of informational sessions and educating people just about how convoluted the system is. We're going to be working with our partners and developing an, an informational session, which I promise will be fun. <laughs> it is fun to know about how you can protect yourself. <laughs> because Because that is like, like we were just saying, I mean, there are all these denials initially, and the insurance industry knows that a lot of people just give up. And they, they count say, on it. They count on yeah. the insurance industry counts on the people just giving up on the denial. But if you know that if you appeal the denial or if you get your doctor to work with you on the appeal of the denial, then in that case, you might, you know, very, very frequently you will win once you yeah. appeal. Once yeah. you say, hey, wait a minute, this isn't right. Yeah. But uh, there are a lot of uh, intricacies in that uh, also, uh, which I guess we have the Office of the Healthcare Advocate to help us with. That's a great point. Who has been doing wonderful work for people here in the state of Connecticut. And they actually really help people get their resources when the insurance industry or the hospital claims a problem uh, exists. uh, All of a sudden, uh, the Office of the Healthcare Advocate. Is able to analyze the situation because that's all they do, and they've been saving our constituents every year somewhere between uh, six and ten million a year on their uh, insurance denials. Yeah. So if you can't, if you don't want to deny, go through the denial process yourself, uh, contact the office of the healthcare advocate. You can Google it, and if you have the information for the contact list, uh, I do not have it on me. But as as Susan said, if you Google it, they're extremely customer friendly. Yes. I've, I've used them. I know a lot of people have and even including them in your claim denial i think bumps it up in their estimation and gets you a little more attention so absolutely they're, they're they're there to fight for you that's what they're there for and they do all kinds of denials they don't mm. just limit it to a medicare or medicaid they do private insurance all types of private insurance they really do uh wonderful health care uh, work and uh, they are very 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 effective yeah yes excellent point well, I, I just want to say also that, you know, CCAG's overarching argument here, which is very important for this hearing, but it's also very important for this next legislative session and the next legislative session, is the fact that we've devolved into treating healthcare like a commodity. Mm-hmm. There's these companies and there's others that are making billions of dollars at our expense, and we really need to get our state regulators and lawmakers to question this and drill down and look at why this is happening and, and put, put the brakes on it because it is it is just not it is absolutely not okay. We are having so many people in medical debt. We are having so many people neglecting their health because they can't get care. We have a lot of people that have insurance that can't afford to use it, mm-hmm. as you've said. That's right. And that goes right to the uh, low premium, high deductible uh, self-insurance plans. These health plans uh, make it so that people think uh, uh, the organization, whether it's a municipality or a small business or uh, even a larger business, they like Hartford Health, for example. When I when they were when the nurses were protesting at Hartford Health, mm-hmm. oh, all of a sudden they said, "Well, we can't afford our insurance because they have a high deductible plan." So Hartford Health mm-hmm. does that to their nurses. Uh, this is happening all over the place. It's uh, it's happening uh, here in town. We have high deductible, low premium plans here. 
And it's kind of a lure. People are lured into that. The administrators are lured into going into the self-insurance industry plans. But they're not really insurance. They're trust plans. And they're only regulated primarily by the federal government. And when the state tries to regulate them, what happens is is a lot of the times uh, the insurance industry if, uh, gets a little annoyed and they might go to the United States Supreme Court. So this is uh, the kind of thing that has been going on since 1974 when the ERISA plans were created. And the, court, the United States Supreme Court has created some of this difficulty that we're faced with at this point in time. How lucky is the Willamantic community that your state rep is not only a good advocate, but also an attorney. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your kind words. (laughs) Well, they're they're meaningful there. They're not empty. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, well, I'll just read through some of the numbers then since we have a little bit of time. Again, this is on our press release, and we've done a series of social media posts on this, which I have to say, we were surprised at the amount of traction and response that we got on these on our from our social media posts. We spent a week looking at Cigna, we spent a week looking at CVS, a week looking at United, and a week at, at Elevance, which used to be Anthem. And there were tons of people on, you know, on Twitter, now X, on other social media platforms who had shared their stories of claims denials. Mm-hmm. And we wish it wasn't so easy to find them, but there were just so many stories of people. One one gentleman wrote, she just scrawled on his bill, just like, this is outrageous. And it's just the pain that you can see coming through and just how absolutely routine this is. So, okay, so Susan, how much do you think Cigna's CEO, David Cordani, made in 2022? I'm gonna cover it up so you can't see. <laughs> I don't know, 50 million. Is- 25 somewhere between 25 50 million something you're right it's somewhere between 25 and 50 and it's this is down by the way the prior year he made he made 91 million dollars so uh in 2022 he made 37 million dollars why did reduce his pay (laughs) (laughs) well it wasn't it wasn't because his customers were so happy that's why maybe it was because he paid for too much health (laughs) care and so so the others were Elevance. Uh, Elevance's CEO made $23.9 million. I guess we can call that 24, 23.98. Mm-hmm. CVS, $30 million, 30.8. And United Health was $23 million. So um, there's a there's a lot of compensation. I can't imagine. Our, our post also juxtaposed this with the average worker salary. Yes. So if you want to visit any of our social media pages, we have all of that information available. Yeah, no, so. we have, uh, you know, a lot of, we have about, in, in the state of Connecticut, um, almost a million people are getting some type of Medicaid subsidy. And uh, mm-hmm. this is uh, this is the, so if you're looking at the income here of uh, people making a, uh, several million a year, and then you look at the fact that we have a third of the population here eligible for a subsidy through the Medicaid program. Uh, you have to realize just where we are in the society and what has been happening over the years by uh, allowing the corporations to take more and more from the average people and not really give back what they're supposed to give in terms of coverage. Uh, for these services and then basing their request for the increase on all the services whether they were you know however they come to the conclusion that they need this increase uh, is interesting let's say and like for example advertisements on tv is that included in their in their budget and how they uh, promote the uh, the increase in the cost and uh, if that's the case, then the people who are running the TV station kind of want to keep that money going. 
and uh, they wouldn't be opposed necessarily to an increase in the insurance rates. Right. Well, it certainly is an interesting question to look at how these corporations are embedded or not into their communities, and it's certainly worth looking at how many jobs actually do remain in Connecticut despite their words. I know that there have been a lot of complaints and reports of outsourcing, and of course CVS now is in the process of cutting, you know, I, I've what is the total? They're in the process of cutting thousands of jobs nationwide, and they right. have not yet come clean with how many of those will be in Connecticut, although layoff notices have started to come out. And what kind of jobs? I wonder. I, I can't even figure out what they're going to—I mean, they're closing down certain CVS stores. And so there goes the tax base in that community mm. because they're paying taxes. And uh, once you lose a store like that, you're going to lose uh, money, and it will cause your, uh, you know, your property tax to go up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's all, it's all connected. Yes, it is. It's all connected. We've got to take a look at all these connections because mm -hmm. if we really understand how it all works, like they do, mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll be able to make some changes. And one thing we'd like also is greater transparency. Yes. I mean, this is essentially a public function, as yeah. you're saying. You yes. know, they've received a lot of government money during, you know, during the pandemic, during the, and think of what they could have done during the pandemic, by the way. Think back to those times and look at the kind of money that these companies were making. Did they buy? Did they give you masks? No, we all paid for our own masks. We know how effective community health workers are. Did they send community health workers out to explain what was happening and safe practices? No, there was very little proactivity from the insurance companies. Mm -hmm. so. Well, in, in this country, what we have is a division. We have a division between the mm -hmm. provider and the payer, and half the payers, and the uh, the idea that we have a public health department that licenses mm -hmm. and oversees all the things that are that are supposed to be done for people's health. And it gets confusing because in other countries, the public health department and the and the providers are all under one area, and the government pays for the cost of the care. And so this is a, this is a very different situation. That's why we're, our our costs are so high, and uh, our outcomes are not that great because mm -hmm. we're always uh, looking at a denial of benefits that really should have been covered because the doctor knew what he or she was doing. Uh, but you know the insurance company will have an overseer who isn't a doctor necessarily, maybe someone who has a healthcare background, but is really looking for a way to find a denial. And now they've created a logarithm in their computer systems, so they don't even have to process it through a person. Uh, so this is this is getting worse all the time. Yeah. Well, to your point earlier, too, though, I mean, I really encourage people to go to ccag.net and sign up for updates and join us if you're available. We'll be 830 outside the legislative office building. We'll be at the hearing. You can watch the hearing um, either there or from home. But get involved because, you know, people are speaking out, and that is what is going to make a difference, right? Well, That's so we're always stronger together. We're stronger as a group, and we don't get change until we uh, look at that. And it's something that I've been going to national conferences on mental health care, mm -hmm. and what's come up is the idea that the insurance industry doesn't pay for mental health to any great degree. They don't recognize that mental health is supposed to be covered by insurance. It's supposed to be treated. How many times have we done mental health parity laws here in the state and in the federal government only to have the insurance industry deny the coverage for mental health coverage? Mm -hmm. So we have, uh, we have a long way to go in terms of that, but... One of the things I found quite interesting is they brought people in, National Conference of State Legislators and Council of State Governments brought in 
uh, someone from our current uh, Department of Labor, who was very, very on fire about the fact that these insurance companies are not covering mental health mm. issues. And uh, because they're not covering, we're, we're, having, we're running into this epidemic of mental health problems. And so one of the things that we spent a lot of time on is what is it that we can do in our states to make sure the insurance industry provides the coverage that they need to provide. And I saw that President uh, Biden just uh, put in for uh, more mental health parity as a requirement in an executive order. And uh, that is uh, something that you know should be going on because we really need to make sure we take care of everybody. And right now we're not really doing that. And I think that we'd have a lot lower expense if we just got the insurance industry to pay for what it's supposed to pay for. That's right. It'd be so much easier to prevent things than to wait till yes. they get very, very bad and then pay for the catastrophe. That's right. Well, yeah. and then and let's just go one more step on that because if the insurance company denies and they get away with the denial. Then the person gets sicker and sicker, and yes. oh, then what do they do? They might have to go on Social Security disability, and then the insurance industry is free of any payment in that circumstance, right. and they will also be on the Medicare and Medicaid plan. So that would be a big cost shift. So they have a right. real uh, benefit to denying coverage so that people will become disabled. Yeah. The incentives are all wrong. Yes, right. yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, they should still be responsible for a denial anyway. Right. Somehow. <laughs> and I'm not sure how you get there from here, but it's an idea. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, well, uh, you know, Connecticut is the insurance capital of the world, right? And I, I will say also some of CCG's other work also involves challenging corporations. We also do a lot of climate justice work. And I will say that in Europe, some insurers are backing away from insuring and investing in fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. And we also um, do a lot of work to persuade travelers and uh, the Hartford to stop insuring fossil fuels because that's a really strong difference that we can make in the climate crisis, which is now we all know more urgent every day. It certainly yeah. is. And, of course, the uh, subsidies for fossil fuels continues on the federal level in this country. And people complain about the fact that the uh, costs are going up and somehow want to blame the government. But, in fact, fossil fuels are private industries. And the private industries, whether your hospital or your fuel or your Walmart, you have rights as a private industry. And so what happens mm. is uh, they, they utilize their rights to a maximum degree, more than anyone could dream about, because that's what they spend their lives doing. <laughs> and uh, we now have uh, a real problem in making transitions that we've been trying to do since the 1940s to the electric vehicles were first discovered and created in the 40s. And mm. uh, we've been working on that sort of thing with the fossil fuels. So it's a, it's a long haul, but, you know, they are, um, they are supported and they're an oligopoly. And uh, they uh, have national and, 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 uh, and international uh, systems now that they've developed over the years to control, in some ways, the elections of the countries. And uh, by saying that, you know, somehow the, this government is responsible to take uh, and make sure that we address the price of oil when it's internationally done, organizationally done, and then done here on the local level, is uh, that's a complex thing to to uh, you know work out. It really is. But I think we have a lot of good advocates working on making sure that we make these transitions. 
And the thing is, we got to keep working at it because we can't let it go. Uh, whether the oil industry really needs to make its transition as well to more sustainable things, and they have the money to do it. <laughs> and I, I would say if anybody has moved to go to ccag.net and sign up for updates, you can elect to receive updates on both health care and on climate. Because mm -hmm. we're going to be doing a lot of work this fall to show Connecticut what other states have done, which is really inform infor informational and, and potentially transformative. Um, Maine has lots and lots of heat pumps, yes. which are fabulously efficient and you know effective and a very good way to improve health, uh, make an environmental impact right away. Uh, same with solar arrays, solar mm -hmm. panels on homes. So we're going to be definitely reaching out to people and to the and to the legislature about that and to, yeah. and to the governor. I'm hoping to see more solar carports too. Yes, I think absolutely. the solar carports are yeah. good because you don't have to worry about your roof and mm -hmm. uh, you can uh, utilize them. And when we do the electric vehicles, you have a solar carport. Right. And yeah. uh, those are things where you can really set that up with your charger and um, you know mm -hmm. do it that way. It's also... Uh, a good way to just put it in when the power goes out. You put the backup battery in with a solar. Uh, so I'm interested in the solar carports. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a way to go. And I think also we ought to be looking at trying to put the solar panels in parking lots and on buildings and at malls and things like that because yeah. uh, there you'd be able to generate a lot of power and uh, and yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to maybe getting some good tax credits in that area. Excellent. Happy to hear so, that. Why don't you uh, tell us, we got a couple minutes left, tell us a little bit more about uh, what's going to happen on the 21st, how we can get in touch with you, and uh, the vision that you have for the next few months. Fabulous. Well, again, thank you for having us. Um, at the Connecticut Citizen Action Group is at ccag.net. Uh, we are going to be having a small action outside of the insurance department hearing. That's going to be at 8.30 a.m. August 21st in front of the legislative office building in Hartford, uh, right near where the parking garage is. We'll be taking part in the hearing, and we'll be reaching out and following up afterwards. We'll definitely let people know what the decision is. Typically, the insurance department has granted some, but not all, of the rate hikes that are requested. Um, we're hoping for none, but we will definitely inform our members of what the outcome is and opportunities for advocacy moving forward. Forward. We're going to be sponsoring a series of informational sessions, which will, I promise, be fun. You, you would imagine how exciting healthcare numbers can be. Mm -hmm. But um, we've talked about some of them. So, to describe the number of hospitals in Connecticut 20 years ago versus now. Uh -huh. And, you know, the so there's a lot of consolidation happening in our healthcare system. And typically, you know, what will happen is the insurance companies will blame the hospitals, who will blame the, who will blame the pharmaceutical prices, right? So, it's almost like a, mm -hmm. like a, you know, like a three-ring circus where everybody's blaming each other. There's plenty to go around, and we're going to take it one by one and, you know, give people a good working knowledge and tools to take action for, for all, all of these things. When, just want to say about the hospitals, I can't resist because when the hospital has been gobbled <laughs> yes, up by Hartford Health course, and, and, and we yeah. don't have the maternity, we don't have the intensive care unit anymore. And everybody thought uh, when they were doing these things back in the day of maybe 10, 15 years ago, it's, oh, well, they'll, they'll have more economies of scale. No. What they do is they take away the competition. Mm -hmm. And so they are they have sued, a price. Right? They a... have the price increase. They are sued yeah. by St. Francis Hospital yeah. uh, for being too much of a monopoly. 
monopoly. And yeah. so I just want to throw that in there. So that is not a, that is not a help to the finances. That actually uh, distorts the finances there, too. But thank you, Liz DePondiel, for and thank you, CCAG, for all your great work, making sure we get people together, making sure that we uh, will be advocates for our, uh, the people and make our economy work the right way for everybody. And they, the insurance companies will make money, but we want to make sure that That's people right. get the health care. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, and uh, stay tuned next week for another great show on Let's Talk About It. This is Susan Johnson with Liz DuPont-Deal from CCAG, and take a look at their website. I think you'll find it very interesting.